Perry Goldstein now joining us on the Wisco Sports Show. And it's a lot easier to talk about a Packers win. And you know what I noticed last week? The first four games went by so quickly, like it flew by. And then they lost against the Buccaneers. And last week felt like it was a month long. And I'm very, very glad that this week we can talk about a win. But did you realize that too? Like time stood still last week. Yes. Yeah. It was like the slowest week ever, just dealing with all the dreadful Packers suck. We are on our way down talk. And then it's like, well, this weekend obviously showed us that that's not really the case. Yeah. I I think this weekend showed us that the Packers who or the Packers are who we thought they were, right? Like they're going to beat up on the teams they should beat up on. Right. I, I, I guess I didn't learn a whole lot from this game other than the Packers are consistent and they beat who they should, which in 2019, I guess, wasn't necessarily the case. So that's progress. I think if there's one thing that's unique to this week's win, maybe that I didn't see in the first month when they rattled off four in a row, I was really impressed by their depth, right? Billy Turner at left tackle, Jamal Williams is the lead back, which I think think we all believed in Jamal Williams, but Billy Turner was a nice surprise. Like, if there was one thing that I learned, sure, it was the one in six Texans, but that depth is really reassuring, and they didn't really seem to miss a beat. Yeah, I mean, the Packers can only play who they have on their schedule, right? Mm-hmm. So if the Texans happen to be one in six, like, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to go out there and you're going to beat up a bad team because that's what contenders do. They show that they're better than a one in six team. I personally think that the Texans are better than their record shows. I think their offense is much more high flying. We obviously shut them down in quite a nice way, which you love to see. So I agree with you. Um, some guys definitely showed up. You know, you walk into a game like this and you're missing key starters, right? You're missing Mm -hmm. David Bakhtiari, Aaron Jones, Kevin King, Tyler Irvin to an extent, you know, your inside linebackers, you're getting Kamal Martin off IR. It's his first game ever. Like you have there, there were many ways this could have gone actually worse than it did. And yet you're spot on there. All of the depth guys, it's kind of a next man up mentality. I think that Matt LaFleur preaches all the time. And that's exactly what happened. They all came in. Josh Jackson had a much better game this week. Um, Obviously we've got Jair as that all pro on the other side. And then, yeah, Billy Turner. Um, I learned actually yesterday that Billy Turner spent the majority of his college career at left tackle. So I guess that's a place that he's really comfortable at. So good to know that we have sort of a a nice backup option. Um, obviously, never want to lose David Bakhtiari. But this was a I at all phases, as I'd like to call it, all phases just completely um, beat beat the Texans from both sides of the ball. So it was a really, really nice win. And I think we needed a get right game anyway. Well, we we saw through the first month that the Packers could score on just about anybody. The Packers defense also took its lumps in that first month, too. And since you brought it up, the Packers defense looked, I mean, as good as they have all season this weekend. And the Texans, their record doesn't indicate it, but their offense is pretty good. Their top quarter in the league in DVOA. They have a really explosive mobile quarterback. I yep. defensively, what was the difference this week? Because I, I think Mike Pettin has the players. I do. Maybe not the players to be the best defense in the league, but the players to be a, a good enough defense to contend. I, I yeah. think, and I talked about this last week, I think Pettin's MO should just like do the obvious thing. Like, don't overcomplicate this. Like, if the only guy that you need to cover is Alvin Kamara, just cover Alvin Kamara. Like, if you should blitz Tom Brady, just blitz Tom Brady. Like, this week we saw Adrian Amos down near the line of scrimmage more, which seems like the obvious thing to do. What did you see this week from Mike Pettin that led the defense to be a little bit more successful than they were in the first month. Yeah, we dialed up so much more pressure than we have before. I think they they had 13 pressures on Deshaun Watson, which 
surprisingly is the most so far this season. Um, And I agree with you, you know, Deshaun Watson is the key to stopping this offense, right? Without him, they really have nothing. They have some really nice receivers. Like I think their receiving core is, is great. And like you said, they're, they're, I think eighth in offensive um, offense in DVOA. So no slouch whatsoever, but Deshaun Watson is kind of reminds me a little bit of Aaron Rodgers when he was younger in the way that he can really extend. Aaron Rodgers can still do this to extent, but, but, extend plays, evade pressure, get out of the pocket, really carry a team on his back. And so getting to Deshaun Watson to me, which again, like getting to any quarterback any week should be the key, but like, like Deshaun Watson, especially is just like, if you minimize him, like this is done. Um, And that's what they did. And, And we saw it a little bit, like you said, I'm so glad you brought up Adrian Amos because him blitzing uh, a, a nice defensive back blitz is like one of my favorite things to see, yeah. um, you know, getting him on that, that key sack at the end of the game, coming up with the the fumble recovery. I think the defense just showed up. I, I am complete agreeance with you. I think we have all the players and the pieces to have a really nice defense. Um, not necessarily top 10, I guess. I, I, maybe that's a pipe dream for me to believe in, but we have, we have the pieces, you know, to stop opposing offenses and they just all did their part. I don't know if there was necessarily anything Petten called up besides the added pressures um, that I, I thought he did differently. But when you get blanket coverage from a cornerback on your number one wide receiver and you get you get to the quarterback, you're, you're going to stop, you know, stop the opposing team. And that's what they did. Absolutely. And I don't think top 10 is a pipe dream at all. I think that's a realistic goal. And I, I think that's what the Packers should shoot for. I agree that I think they have the personnel to at least be in that conversation, which if this offense keeps playing the way that it does, I think that's all you really need. Perry Goldstein, Cheesehead TV, Game on Wisconsin, and, and Pack Report joining us on the Wisco Sports Show. Let's talk about the offense for just a sec. The last time that we spoke, which would have been, uh, what was the game before the Buccaneers? Right after the Monday night game against the Falcons? Falcons. Yeah, somewhere around there. We, we talked about all these different concepts that Matt LaFleur was using. Um, vertical plays to running backs, which was the Falcons game. Now I remember bootlegs, mesh concepts. And, and I and I asked you about some other potential things that maybe we could see from Matt LaFleur. And we were excited because we didn't really know. I think we got a new one this week. And it's something that I saw in multiple games. That's just kind of blitzing and flooding one side of the field with everybody, just sending four wide receivers to the same area. I saw McVay do it against the Bears for a touchdown on Monday night. Did you see anything new um, this week against the Texans, like that flood, I don't know specifically what it's called, like flooding with four I saw on Twitter and cause that's where I learn all of my things is from other people on Twitter. Did you see anything new from Matt LaFleur this week where you're like, Oh, that's exciting. That's another wrinkle. No, just what you just brought up. Right. But I, this game plan to me was interesting. It, it, it was the perfect game plan. Obviously it worked, mm-hmm. but like it, this was just essentially Aaron Rodgers out in the yard with Devonte Adams. And I imagine that his first read is probably always Devonte Adams. Um, and then you put them in a situation where the Texans are only, they're playing man, right? They're, they're just press man, Devonte all game one-on-one, which I think is like the most poor game plan yeah. ever for a guy like Devonte Adams, who will just, just absolutely demolish you at the line of scrimmage. So they, they were just getting the matchups that they wanted with their number one receiver. And I, I think it was actually a pretty simplistic game plan, but it worked. Keep going to the guy that's open. Who's going to get you the touchdowns. I loved, loved, loved that you know, even though the run game wasn't great, right? I think Jamal was getting three, four yards a carry, nothing wild, a couple of big runs. I think there was one that was like nine yards, like really nothing wild, but 
Matt LaFleur stuck with the run game and he did not abandon the run game, even if it was only netting him like three yards a carry. Um, and I thought that was really big because that allowed the play action to work. I know there are some people out there who are like, you don't need to establish the run for play action. Mm-hmm. Whatever you believe, it worked and it allowed Aaron to get the ball out to Devonte pretty much with ease, uh, 13 catches, 196 yards, two touchdowns. Like that, that's what our offense was. Um, and it worked. Yeah. Well, for no other reason, you run the ball just to give Devonta Adams like a play off because he can't, <laughs> he can't catch the ball on every play. Like he's open on yeah. every play against a secondary like that. And, and Perry, I, I had some listeners text and tweet me and said, Rogers is forcing the ball to Adams. And I, I, in a game like Sunday's game, I don't agree with that because I think there are games throughout the year and I'm, and I'm just labeling them uh, very simply as Devontae Adams games. Week one against the Vikings was one. Sunday was one. I think this week against the Vikings could be another where the defense just has literally zero chance. They have no option. And Devontae Adams is going to be open all day. And the, the sooner that Lafleur and Rodgers embrace that and realize, oh, it's third down, look for Adams. Oh, it's fourth down, we should go for it because no one can cover Adams. Like The, the sooner they figure that out... I think they can just run away and win that game. Do you think that could be the case against the Vikings again this week? And if that's the case, where the game plan should just be Adams every play, like how can they best execute that, do you think? I don't think the game plan necessarily should be Adams. But I think, like I said, you know, if your first read is your number one wide receiver, which it should be, and he's open, you're going to go there. Um, I think there's a difference between forcing and have it happen naturally. I think the Bucks game, it was definitely a little like Devontae's the security blanket and I trust him the most right now. And I need, I think I need to get the ball to him versus against the Texans where it was like, he was just wide open. I mean, I don't know if you watch the Pat McAfee show with, mm-hmm. with Rogers every Tuesday, but he said, you know, there were times where Devontae had six yards of separation. And that's like, I mean that you might as well be in practice at that point. Uh, it's like, there's not even a defender there. So if that's the case, then you're going to go to your guy who, you know, is the playmaker. Um, I think against the Vikings, it's very possible. Um, I saw today that Mike Hughes is injured and not practicing. So an already weak secondary, um, is, uh, you know, even weaker. Um, so yeah, we should see a lot of Devonta Adams. I hope that we do. Uh, I, you know, it, it's somewhat, concerning that none of the other pass catchers did a whole lot the rest of the game. But again, I feel like it could just be a case of Devante was open. So why not? Um, I would love to see uh, against the Vikings and this pretty weak secondary, more explosive plays. I'd love to see MVS finally get in the mix there with, with a big, you know, 75 yard catch, you know, a bomb. We, I feel like we haven't thrown a lot of those in the last couple of games. So I'd love to see that mixed in. Um, But you know, if we don't get Aaron Jones back, because I'm not sure he's practicing, uh, you know, then our run game is a little bit stifled, unfortunately. Jamal's a great back, but he's just kind of your bruiser, pound the ground back. You know, he runs very hard and he will fight for every yard, but he's not nearly as shifty uh, or kind of athletic, uh, if you will, as as Aaron Jones is. So I think that limits you a little bit. Same if you don't get Tyler Irvin, then that means you have to move someone else into that motion role. Um, and I think that's partly why some of our wide receivers weren't getting touches. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think it'll I'll have to see, you know, what the final injury report is to really mm-hmm. figure out what I think they're going to do against the Vikings. But it should be a big passing day with a banged up secondary. Well, I agree with you about Jamal Williams. He's everything you want in a running back. He's just not as dynamic as Aaron Jones. He's not going to take That's that four word. yard gain and turn it into 20. 
which yeah. like he's going to do everything else. He's going to block. He's going to catch passes, but he's not going to get you those explosive plays where maybe they aren't already there. And I know before we wrap up, I know you're doing something with Jamal Williams through game on or game on, which once again, speaking of Jamal Williams doing absolutely everything. So I know you wanted to talk about that a little bit and I'm curious, what are you guys doing with, uh, with Jamal? Yeah, so um, every Tuesday night, Jamal Williams has a show with Jacob Westendorf and Jimmy Christensen, and um, it's over on Game On. You know, we we stream to all the platforms and YouTube, um, and essentially, it's for charity. He has a charity called the J Swag Daddy Swag Bag Giveaway. I hope I got that right. <laughs> Nicely done. Um, essentially, he collects toys and other gifts for kids for the holidays um, and distributes them to to local communities in need. And so um, we have a GoFundMe with him. We actually reached a huge goal this week. We reached $5,000. So we're looking to you know keep it going and, and raise as much money as possible. But it's been really phenomenal to have him every week. And just he's got the, just the best personality, the best energy. Yeah. And um, he really, really cares. He really cares about giving back to the community. So really proud to be able to help him with that. No, that's really cool. And you said you said for the holidays and I'm like, Mentally, I'm still stuck back in March. Like it, it blows my mind that we're this far into the NFL season already, and it blows my mind that it's almost November. Perry, I know we're we're trying to plan ahead a little bit. I would love to talk to you. I, I get this 49ers game circled. Like I, I think the Packers should have beat the Texans. They did. I, I think they should beat the Vikings, and I think they will. Let's check back in after the 49ers game, and I hope we're not talking about another blowout because that would be a uh, a major league yeah. bummer. But I'm interested to talking to you again later on in the season. And Perry, I appreciate it as always. Thanks. Thank you for having me on. I love being here. And yeah, hopefully we're breaking down a win after the 49ers, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I, we can only hope. Thanks again, Perry. Thank you.